Hey, what's up? My name is Raylia Lewis, and welcome back to Everything is Everything. Today's episode is inspired by the very popular conversation surrounding love between a man and a woman. You know, the 50-50 debate, who pays what, do we split, and also monogamy. For some odd reason, okay, fuck it. Due to sexism, we, generally speaking, have this warped perspective on womanhood and sexuality and even a woman's role in relationships and in society. I always say that I'm a black woman first and a black feminist second. So if your views are sexist, rooted in patriarchy in some way, translation, more conservative or traditional, well, this is your warning. This episode ain't for you, bruh. I am not open to debating the way men or women who have assimilated to patriarchy feel about or believes about womanhood, sexuality, what a good woman should look like, or how a woman should show up to the world. Women are not sacrificial lambs, and our premise contrary to popular belief and biblical belief is not solely for the enjoyment of men. With that being said, let's talk about monogamy. For a while, there's been this misconception that women force monogamy on men. As a woman who has grown up in a patriarchal society, I have to disagree. I have never met a man who is open to polyamory when it involves another man in the picture. Shit, I have never met a man who are open to threesomes when another man is involved in the picture. Because automatically we were taught to believe that a sex act involving two men and one woman is a train. While a sex act involving two women and one man is a threesome. When our idea of manhood is rooted in the silencing of women and our desires and our ability to be explorative sexually, it's time to start a new conversation. It's time to go to the drawing board and revisit the expectations surrounding manhood and womanhood and why they no longer can serve the new society that we're trying to build, or at least I would hope that we're trying to build. Because now there are more conversations around womanhood and, you know, there are more feminists. And, you know, even though I see so many feminists get hate and get misunderstood and rejected, women are still standing up. And even some men, you know, I've I've ran across men who, you know, studied feminism and intersectionality surrounding womanhood and sexual exploration. And, you know, some men are allies. I don't know too many men. But I know some men, and even they are called simps, and they are also disregarded and disrespected because they are open to seeing a world where all people are allowed to be who they really are. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation, because women are constantly blamed for things that they have not established, but that they have kind of just went along with. There's no way we should be blaming women for monogamy when we all know we live in a patriarchal society that serves men. Religion is rooted in patriarchy. Society was established on patriarchy. And yet we are blaming women for monogamy when men clearly want their woman to be monogamous, even when they fall short, 
even when they decide that they want multiple women, they don't want their woman to go out here and live life the same exact way. They don't want what's good for the goose to be good for the gander. However, as women, we are expected to accept anything just to have a man, just to have a piece of something, just to have a bit of somebody's fucking son. And I think it's bullshit. I really do. I was watching an interview on Hollywood Unlocked with Jessica White, a supermodel, where she talked about her relationship with Nick Cannon. And she was very transparent and open about the dynamic, you know, because if you have been on pop culture blogs, any blog of any sort, you know that Nick Cannon has had two babies in the past, like, three to four years while he has been dating this gorgeous supermodel. And she was honest about giving him, you know, free rope to date other women as long as he was respectful, as long as, of course, he didn't get anybody pregnant, right? However, she admitted to the fact that he didn't allow her to return that favor and also date other men. And I'm just so tired of women settling for this kind of nonsense. I always say that nobody owes you anything that you can't give them back. And to be fair and to be honest, nobody owes you anything, period. But I'm also a believer in one hand washes the other. So when you are in a relationship and you expect certain things from your partner, you have to be willing to compromise and you have to be willing to invest in the same way. And I think there's also like this idea that like, Women always have to take the high road. Like, women are always expected to be so diplomatic, so regal, and almost, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost um, nurturing. Yeah, nurturing. Because even when you think of a mother and a child, a woman is always teaching her child and loving her child despite. So women are always expected to be so nurturing that we are really told or shown how to accept mistreatment without ever saying, wait a minute, where do I benefit? In regards to respect, in regards to companionship and love. And this is not speaking on splitting bills right now. We're not talking about gifts. We're not talking about money. I'll get there in a second. We're we're strictly talking about the things that we value in a relationship from each other. The things that should be free, like loyalty, like affection, like attention, like you not sleeping with someone outside of me. We're talking about those things, intimacy, to be more specific. Women are expected to almost be rehabilitation centers for bad men. Women are expected to forgive their men and understand that men have urges and that men have sexual appetites that expand beyond one woman's reach. However, when a woman cheats on her man, oh, she's disgusting. He forgave that? Oh, he a fool. You know, the conversation is different. And I'm not saying that all women subscribe to this, nor nor am I saying that all men subscribe to it. I'm speaking from a societal level and expectations. I'm speaking generally. And I know for a fact in my 29 years of living that a man cheating is normal 
and a woman cheating is a thorn in a man's ass and it needs to be eradicated. The relationship needs to be annihilated. Like there's no room to grow after a woman steps out and does her. But when a man does it, it has to be understood because men are wired differently because men are the key and women are the door. It's like all of these bullshit, oppressive messages to justify men being assholes. And I'm tired of it. I am a proud advocate for cheap access. I am. And I advocate for cheap access because I feel like women are always given like these higher expectations and roles in society that don't serve them and that really police them. And if we can expect and accept that men cheat, we need to normalize the the reversal. And that's not to say that people think that women don't. But we expect as a society that women should not cheat. We we do not accept a woman getting even because it's not what ladylike, because it's not admirable, because it's not diplomatic. That goes back to my belief, what I just said. We expect women to be so exceptional and so diplomatic that, you know, falling short validates her entire existence. It becomes the sum total of who she is. But when a man falls short, it's like this idea that a man going to fuck up and that you got to stay down anyway. And I don't, I don't like that. I'm just tired of this good girl persona that is marketed and geared and pushed towards womanhood. It's about policing women and our expression and our sexuality, like I said, in our bodies. You know, this idea that women should be modest. That was created by men. That was instilled by men. Why should we be modest? I just have questions. For what? For who? If I don't like to cover my body, I shouldn't have to do that. Like, you don't get to tell me how I should show up to the world. And that's just how I feel about that. And I just think that, you know, if you are looking or trying to live up to this good girl image, you will always fall short and you will always drown because it's not practical. And it comes from oppression. It really does. Like, you are a human with fucking natural instincts and urges and it's okay to explore them and it's okay to live your life and it's okay to enjoy your sexuality and your youth and your sexual urges and this idea that you are only reserved for one man right that you came here and you have to just figure it out and get it right with with this one person and grow with this one person that can't ever really get it right is bullshit So before I switch gears, I do want to say that I do, I like monogamy. I do. Do I think that it works for everyone? No. And I don't necessarily think that it's my place or anyone else's place to decide what works for other people. However, I challenge women to get down to the core and to the root of why they accept what they accept and why they do what they do to have a man. Because oftentimes, women are at the forefront of compromising because we've always had to compromise you know 
just look at the women's suffrage movement and, and the whole feminism movement. These things were created to eradicate oppression surrounding womanhood. These things didn't come out of anywhere. You know, just look at history. So for that reason, just because we are having this conversation doesn't mean that we have cured the issue, the ailment. You know, every ism, racism, sexism, any kind of any kind of discrimination still leaves traces of itself even after we call it what it is and we denounce it as a thing. So for that reason, even though women make money now and we have the right to vote, it doesn't mean that we still haven't carried on oppressive views and ideology into the next generation and so forth. So for that reason, I just feel like women accept certain things because they feel like they have to. Women accept certain things because they just want to be loved and they just want companionship and they can't see themselves being who they really are um, and being able to attain that. Because like I said, women have to almost be exceptional to be worthy of love. While, while men are allowed to be anything they want to be and it never really stifles their ability to love, it doesn't validate their existence or even their desirability. You know, they have a lot more room to grow. You know, you can have a man with eight kids and if he got money and power, what had happened? You know, it doesn't really matter, but you get a woman with eight children and money and power and, you know, her stock went down. And that's not me denouncing a woman's worth. That's just the way that society fucking operates. And I'll say this again. Due to patriarchy, women have been programmed to believe that we have to be exceptional to be worthy of love. Men can be whatever they want to be and still be accepted and still be desirable and still be a catch. And we also sympathize and empathize with men in ways that we don't with women. You know, we give men so much room. We don't really hold men accountable because like even like with this conversation that I'm having now, I'm sure people will listen to this conversation and be like, oh, she's bitter. She must be single. She needs some penis. Is she a lesbian? You know, they will have all of these negative things to say about my views because they want to believe that oppressing woman is right. So they'll gaslight and manipulate my perspective to serve them. They will use my views in a way that almost enforces that when you think for a woman and when you come from a, a mindset that wants women to be equal, it means that you are attacking men and it means that you hate men. And that's the farthest thing from the truth because I love men. I think men are incredible. I think they're a dynamic. Physically, uh, amazing. However, you can love a thing and still see fault. And when we talk about accountability, the only way to grow and to change is to hold things accountable. And I just feel like men have been able to exist in this world without being accountable for so long in regards to romantic relationships that when they are held accountable, it almost feels like a brutal attack or an, or assault. 
you know, you must hate me because you expect more from me. You must hate me because you see my faults and my flaws and you magnify them by speaking on them. I'm allowed to magnify yours, though. I'm allowed to decide what works for you because I'm the man. But the moment that a woman decides what doesn't work for her, there's something wrong with her. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation. You know, as women, we have to be willing to challenge the system. We have to be willing to be honest about what we really want. Even if it doesn't make sense to other people, even if it goes against popular belief. You know, I've always been very headstrong. And it's so funny because even in terms of like my romantic relationships, you know, my family and friends will sometimes be like, whoo, girl, your man, he got his hands full. And they would make so many jokes that I knew was rooted in patriarchy. And you can you can exhibit patriarchal views without being aware of that. And a lot of people don't understand that. So when they're accused of being sexist, they can't see how it's sexist because they're like, no, I don't think that men are better than women. But when you when you have views that only serve one gender, you're sexist, whether you believe it or not, whether you realize that or not. And whenever we say that a man has his hands full because he has a woman who isn't afraid to have opinions, who isn't afraid to challenge a system that has historically been oppressive. Whenever we label women as too much because she stands for something that serves her and that benefits her, you know, that kind of like perpetuates and fuels the the problem. It, It fuels the disadvantages that women face in society. And, you know, I've always been told that I was too much or that I was too opinionated or that, you know, I was too much. You know, man, any man that loved me would have his hands full. And I've even been told that I would never find a man because I didn't believe in submitting and I don't like modesty and I don't like tradition and I don't care too much about marriage and I don't care too much about being a mother. And I'm like, I'm not the only woman that feels this way. I'm just not afraid to admit it. And oftentimes when you are shunned or ripped apart or even um, judged for who you are, that in itself is your superpower. That in itself is the reason why you have to continue to show up. You have to continue to speak your truth even when people don't like it. That's ultimate power. And you will attract the right people. You do not have to dim your light or minimize who you are to be desirable. Like the moment you feel like you're wrong for being true to who you are, the moment you feel like you you won't find love because you're, you're different is the moment you begin to chip away at your real essence, your true essence. And that's the moment where you begin to lose yourself. So I just challenge women to be honest about why they feel like they have to show up a certain way, why they feel like they have to do things a certain way to please men. And if you really look deep enough, everything that we have been conditioned to believe as far as women stems back to patriarchy. 
And patriarchy is a dangerous and oppressive system that serves nobody but men. And until we can really be honest about how patriarchy warps our perspectives and perceptions surrounding womanhood and sexuality and even relationships, we'll always be disconnected. We'll always be having these type of debates and arguments and we'll always feel jaded. Men feeling jaded because they are accepting victimization even though they are really at the forefront of the movement and at the forefront and the root of the problem. And women always feeling that guilt and that shame for not being able to live up to this exceptional standard that really is impractical and that only really serves men. So when it comes to splitting bills, going 50-50 between a man and a woman, I often see this debate amongst the black community online. And, you know, I personally don't believe that all black men should necessarily pay all the bills because I consider systemic racism, marginalization, the fact that we are behind economically. So we also have to stop comparing like, our lifestyle and our our prospects to non-black people, meaning that a lot of times women will argue and men will argue, we're the only race that argues about splitting bills. We're also the only race that's really marginalized to this capacity. You know, let's be honest. We are losing financially. So for that reason, like realistically speaking, we, we can't live life the same way because we don't have the opportunities. Yes, we are fighting for the opportunities. Yes, we are fighting for the spaces. But right now where we are, it is not enough. It's not enough seat at the table. So for their seats at the table, I'm sorry. So for that reason, we have to consider that when we begin to have arguments like this, we have to consider the huge disparities in our earning prospects when we are non-black versus when we are black. That's very important to remember. So because I consider that, I don't necessarily say things like all black men should pay bills because all black men can't afford to pay all the bills. However, (laughs) I do not advocate that women should date men who cannot match them or who cannot elevate them in some way. Because I do feel like Men require so much. You know, we got to have the babies. We got to take on the low of parenting. Because normally our careers go to the wayside when we become mothers. While a man is allowed to continue to chase his career. And it's his time is expected to still be his time even when he is a parent. Because we still have this idea that this is a woman's job and this is a man's job. We still fuel gender norms. So for that reason, I do believe that women have to be smart and look for security when they are thinking about having a family and getting married and settling down. They have to. Like, you have to be a realist at some point. You can't live in a fairy tale world in a fantasy. What I think the problem is, is that some women have nothing to offer financially. And they just expect to be treated a certain way just because. There's nothing wrong with thinking that you're awesome. There's nothing wrong with thinking that you're beautiful and you're sexy and that you should get nice things. There's nothing wrong with that. But to solely seek out relationships just for money 
and for gifts is always a problem. But I also feel like to solely seek out relationships with women just because they're beautiful and sexy and just to use them as trophies and just to use them as objects and, you know, to leave them in their place, it's the same thing. So I know for a fact that so many men use women for what they want to use women for. And for that reason, I have no sympathy for men who get used for their money because oftentimes men lead with their money to attract beautiful woman to ultimately use it's like a cycle like we ain't the only ones using like women have this this uh persona placed on us where we're always accused of being being users but there are so many men who use women for finances for places to stay for rehabilitation centers you know the list goes on and on so people use people and i think that you know it's never a good thing to use people and to be used. But a lot of times you have to look at yourself and see how you contribute to the treatment that you are receiving and that you are um, putting on others. I think that's important to be able to step outside of yourself and be honest about who you really are, what you really want, what you really give, and what you really expect. And I think the problem always lies in relationships or dynamics that aren't really beneficial to both parties like for you to be a woman and expect like this lavish lifestyle when you can't maintain the lavish lifestyle it's preposterous like it's literally fucking anything right but I also feel like there's nothing wrong with a woman being loved by a man who earns more and he wants to create a certain life for her either like I would never judge a woman because she was able to find a man to shower her with love and with gifts and with affection. And I don't think that she's necessarily there to just use because she's able to get these amazing things. There's nothing wrong with a black woman living a luxurious life. There's nothing wrong with luxury at all. I just think the problem, like I said, lies with women demanding these things with nothing to offer, with bad intentions. But I also know so many men have bad intentions. And for that reason, they lead with money. I don't think that women should settle for love. Like, I don't think women should pick men solely for love. Because men don't pick women solely for love. You know, you have to be a realist to some degree. Yes, love should be there. But... You have to survive. You have to live. You cannot go into a relationship solely on love, have babies, and try to build a life where there is no potential to grow economically, spiritually, personally. Like, you have to pick people who match you. You can't just find a guy who has nothing to offer because he's kind and generous. He can also be kind and generous and lazy and lack motivation and lack oomph and just be good with a small life or a a modest life. And there are women out here who are good with a modest life, but you don't have to be okay with a modest life because you find a man that is remarkable in every other way, but financially. Like, it's okay to be like, you're a nice guy, you look on paper, but 
I want to continue to explore my options because I'm not happy or fulfilled in this dynamic and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that society almost wants to force women to just accept like the bare minimum, the bare minimum, you know, when it comes to relationships, because like I said, that expectation to be diplomatic and to be exceptional, because you always get that, you know, that argument. What if you got, got a guy that has so much money, but he's a cheater? And then what if you have a guy who has no money, but he's faithful. It's like broke men cheat, rich men cheat. So let's just kill all that noise. You don't know what anybody's doing, to be honest. You don't know what anybody's capable of until you you find out what they did, okay? So I, I just, I despise that argument. I just think that you should be able to decide what works for you and what you want as you're happily ever after. And men have always been afforded that. And when women exercise that right, it's always a problem. There's nothing wrong with wanting a man with a certain income. There's nothing wrong with wanting a certain lifestyle. I do feel like women should also be motivated to have their own. They should be willing to work, to be independent, to some core. I'm not saying you have to make just as much as your man. But you should not be solely dependent on anybody because shit can go left at any point and you need to be able to survive when shit go left. You have to be a realist. Like you can't just live in a fairy tale. This is real life. This is earth. And things break apart and things go wrong. And there's nothing worse than having to go back from to having nothing after you had this grand lifestyle and now you have to raise these babies and you don't have the spousal support the child support and you have this powerful man who basically used his finances and his um his lifestyle to you know to keep you and then took it back when you no longer wanted him and you took off all the assets that he had to you people use power to you know, manipulate people, people use power to harm people and to hurt people. And I think that women should always be, you know, cognizant and conscious of that and always be looking to figure out their purpose and their passion and, you know, live your life full. Like anything a man does for you is extra, you know, but I think the ultimate, uh, the ultimate flex is knowing what you can do despite a man, what you can do outside of a man. You know, it's great to have a man that showers you with things and that loves you and wants to, you know, treat you well. But like the ultimate power is knowing that you matter outside of what a man can do for you. I think that's like the biggest flex ever. I want to end with this because I feel like a lot of times men want what comes with the role even when they can't live up to the role. You'll see so many men talking about how they shouldn't have to pay all the bills, but in the same breath, these same men expect women to stay in their place. They expect women to listen to them. They expect women to be modest and to submit, and they expect to lead. Make it make sense. Like, you can't have it both ways. Like, I don't think a woman should submit to anybody. Like, your freedom of expression, your identity, who you are is not up for sale. So just because a man wants to fund and finance your lifestyle does not mean he gets to control you or make your decisions and your choices regarding your life. But I don't understand men who can't even do that, who can't even provide. 
still tries to pick and choose how a woman should present and to, and to show up to the relationship. Because if you're going to go by the book, any religious text that says men should lead and provide, how do you throw away provide and keep and hold on to lead? They go hand in hand. So if you want to be this alpha male who wants to lead woman and lead family, then you need to be able to protect and provide too. And that's the only thing that annoys me about men because I feel like men always want to control things even when they can't afford to finance your lifestyle, pay your bills, and really take care of home. You don't get to have the privilege of leading and calling all the shots when you can't even provide and take all the stress off my back when it comes to where we live, what car we drive, and how we survive throughout this thing called life. So that's what I will never understand. And I just feel like, man, if you can not live up to the patriarchy standard surrounding manhood, just eliminate it all. Delete all that shit. Get rid of it. It's okay. You don't want to pay all the bills? Great. Do not expect a home-cooked meal every day. Do not expect all these gender norms and roles that benefit you. Do not expect your word to be the final say. Do not expect to lead. Coexist. Be a partnership. I believe in partnerships anyway. I'm all for partnerships regardless of who pays what. We partners, we are a team regardless. But this is just for the men who can't provide, can't protect, but still want the benefits of patriarchy. Kill it. Delete all that shit. And now it is time for my segment, IG Meme of the Week. So I just finished watching the royal interview with Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, and Oprah Winfrey. I was late to the party. The The interview was just a little too long for me. You know, it's still winter time. I still get tired around like 9, 30, 10. And I was watching it at night with my boyfriend because we both wanted to see it. And we both didn't want to see it without the other person. So watching it at night with my tea and my comforter just wasn't helpful. But I finally finished it after like three to four days. <laughs> it was like an hour and a half. And it was not surprising. So if you guys haven't checked it out, basically Meghan Markle came out with her side of the story about why her and Prince Harry decided to leave the royal family um, and, you know, function as a normal person. And they really talked about the racism that they experienced while being under, you know, the royal oath and working under that administration. They talked about the royals and how they were apprehensive about Prince Harry marrying someone who was part black. They were worried about the baby's skin color, if he would look too black. You know, basically, in historic empire that has historically, like I said, been racist, being exposed in 2021 for the fuckery. That's what it was. Megan talked about her battling suicidal thoughts and really being on the brink of suicide, which was 
astonishing and scary, but also very relatable because so many people deal with suicide. You know, they walk outside every day and they smile and they act like everything's fine, but they're really, really breaking in inside. So I thought it was admirable for her to just be honest and transparent about what her life looked like on the inside while everyone was celebrating her being the first, you know, biracial you know, princess, the first black person in the royal family that we know of, because I've seen theories, but as we know of. And, um, you know, I was never a celebratory, you know, when I saw her marry into the royal family, because like, whatever. Um, but I, un- I understood with what seeing her represented meant for black girls. I I understood it and I will never argue that or minimize that or diminish that. I just see things through a different lens. And I'm not surprised that she experienced what she experienced, but I'm so proud and happy that she was able to choose herself. I'm happy that she was able to be honest and not be silent. And I'm happy that she was able to remove herself from that situation. Um, and like I said, I watched it late, so I'm sure most of you guys have already heard about this. So if you have not checked it out, it's on the CBS app. That's how I watched it. It's also on YouTube. So just check it out. And now it is time for my segment. What am I watching right now? I ran across a meme last night that I did not save, but that I still can partially remember, not verbatim, but I still remember like the gist of it. And I can remember it because it resonated with me and it was just thought provoking. And basically it talked about normalizing not being stronger from grief and normalizing just you know, breaking under pressure after dealing with a lot of trauma and being more exhausted after going through a traumatic experience because we have this idea that, you know, bad things happen to make us stronger. We have this idea that we experience trauma and that, you know, the trauma can make us stronger, but that doesn't make everybody stronger. Traumatic experiences doesn't hit us all the same. We all deal with trauma differently. And I could definitely relate to that. You know, it talked about, you know, being different after having your spirits broken. And um, just, you know, sometimes having to battle with your self-esteem and having to battle with yourself after you've experienced so much rejection and so much disappointment. And I could totally relate because as a model, I think I've become more insecure as I've gotten older due to the rejection and due to the expectations surrounding my job and my career versus when I was younger and, you know, the world felt like it was in my abyss and, you know, I had had no rejection and I had had no, um, you know, no real disappointments yet. I didn't experience any of that yet. And I do think that that was like an, uh, an argument that I thought was interesting, interesting enough to debunk, I'll say, because... You know, for me over time, when I 
go through my healing processes. It's a journey and you feel so many different emotions. You go through happiness, you go through sadness, you go through ups and downs, starting at square one, elevating, thinking you're higher than being brought back down to square one, you know? So it's like a, it's a cycle. And I've often learned that sometimes I don't feel stronger, at least immediately after something happens. And I guess it's subjective to decide when you are stronger or when you are at that place of strength of ultimate power. Because like I said, healing and grief is a journey. So some days I may wake up and feel like I have ultimate power. And then some days, you know, I may wake up and feel like shit. I may feel the heaviness of my pain and of my grief and of my trauma. And as a black woman navigating through white spaces and trying to be a model and being rejected, not because I'm not good enough, but because they have they have met the quota on black models and just also internalizing every no and seeing rejection as a defining factor instead of just like something that happens um definitely took its toll on me and you know it takes growing and learning and that like I said navigating through those emotions and healing but all of those things are processed and they take time and there's no real time limit so I could definitely understand with that perspective because I do think we have like this idea that you know you're stronger after bad things happen to you and sometimes you're not always stronger and it doesn't mean that you can't still survive and can't come out of it but PTSD is a real fucking thing anxiety and depression is a real fucking thing and they are byproducts of trauma and I do think that those blanketed statements that black and white idea that you become stronger after can be dismissive to a lot of people's plights and a lot of people's struggles. So I thought that was an interesting meme to just bring to you guys to maybe get you guys to see some things differently, to maybe, you know, rid you guys of some of the guilt that you may have if you're not over that guy that broke your heart at 20, if you're not over never, you know, getting the opportunity that you thought that you deserved, if you're not over losing your mom at 12, like it's okay. And you don't always have to be strong. And I think it's toxic to always expect strength, even amidst, you know, catastrophe and struggle. It's like, when do you have that outlet to just be human and to just fucking grieve without having to pick up a cape and be superhuman? just want to thank you guys for tuning into another episode of everything is everything and i can't wait to see you guys back here next week bye bye